mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's episode of Marriage and Martinis is sponsored by the Cartwright Resort in the Catskill Mountains of New York. We went last weekend and it was super fun. It was super fun. We had so much fun other than all the stairs we had to climb to go up to the water slides, which we did complain about a lot. But we did it. But we did it. We're proud of us. And we got a good workout. So it was really awesome. And for some reason, our kids actually like really like each other on vacation. I don't know what happens. But you and I kind of just sat in our cabana. We ordered food and drinks. We watched the big television that was in there. And our kids kind of just ran around and went on the slides together. It was so fun. And the place is so enclosed. And there are lifeguards literally everywhere you look. So you feel safe just letting your kids go do stuff. Yeah, it was fun. We were sitting right by the um, the Lazy, Lazy River, River, and it was so much fun. Like the for the tenth, eleventh, twelfth time that they would yeah. come around and right. they're like playing hi with mom, each other. Hi yeah, mom. yeah, it was really fun. It was really fun. Uh-huh. And um, I have one friend who um, she gives me the test every time we come home from a resort, where she says, "Would I stay there?" Which basically means, "Is it an A plus 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 on the clean scale?" And the first thing I came home and said to her is, "You can't believe how clean." And like nice this place is, which is not something I think I've ever said about a water park before. No. It's so clean. The suites, the family suite we were in was so spacious. There were two bathrooms, so we didn't even have to share with the kids. It was great. So go to thecartwright.com, K-A-R-T-R-I-T-E, thecartwright.com, and book your vacation and save up to 50% off family bunk suites. Use code SUM. 19 sum 19 to book and automatically be entered to win one free night go check it out and visit thecartwright.com Guys, welcome back to Marriage or Martinis. I'm Adam, and here's Danielle. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I had fun um, editing this episode. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really heard fun. it. I know you haven't heard it yet. Yeah. So, uh, so I if, apologize in advance. Yeah. If everyone. there's any edits that you wanted out, it's too bad. Too I'm late. not coming home. I'm right. not going to fix it. No, you can't. No. We're leaving tomorrow. Yeah. We're go leaving on. on a jet plane. We are go as you are listening to this. We might be on the plane. Yep. We might be. That's fun. I can't wait. Me too. Yeah. So this episode is fun also, but it's, it's also, I think, important because it's my friend Rachel, who I met from the social media community and everything. We just sort of hit it off, and I really liked her right away, and I really like following her on Instagram and everything on her account, Wine and Cheez-Its. It's W-H-I-N-E. W-H-I-N-E. I learned that. W-H-I-N-E. <laughs> you sound like a radio broadcaster. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, wine and Cheez-Its. And she's half hilarious, but also half really 
trying to uh, share her story about life after divorce and dating with when she had a young daughter, um, meeting her now husband, you know, second marriage, um, having another child and everything that goes along with the co-parenting and the blending families. And um, and I, I love her because she's not afraid to voice her opinion on stuff. But she also has an awesome outlook and attitude about parenting that I think makes everybody want to um, just sort of be supportive of each other. And I, you know, I love that. You can find her writings on Pop Sugar, Scary Mom, Scary Mommy, and Huffington Post, and uh, of course on her blog, Wine and Cheese Its. So you're gonna love this episode. I think it's. I learned a lot, and I often think about what would life be like after divorce. Yeah, I I was kind of concerned that you were gonna learn too much out of this conversation. <laughs> well, what she does show is that for those of us who choose it, who choose to. Well, don't spoil it. Let them listen. Well, they know she don't, got divorced. I'm not I don't spoiling it. Good away. I'm just saying she does show us that ultimately if that's the choice you make that you really need to get out of your marriage and everything that you can still wind up happy and fulfilled. Yes, it is still possible. It is still possible. That's the takeaway. It is still possible. Yeah, you better be careful. (laughs) All right, guys. So enjoy our conversation with Rachel. All right. Hi, Rachel. Hi, guys. Hey, Rachel. How are you? So good. How are you? Nice to meet you. We're doing well. I know. Good. From a long day of work, of course. Here we are. Ready to. Our listeners are so sick of hearing about work. I know. know. No, happy to be here. Um, And you and I, we we know each other kind of. I always say that because we are we're both like always, you know. Uh, having conversations on Instagram and on Facebook. And it's like you have this whole community of friends, but we don't ever talk outside of, although I know if we hung out, we would have a blast. Totally. I feel like that about my internet friends. I feel like my internet girlfriends are like my little tribe. I share more with them sometimes than I do my friends in real life. It's like a safe space. You, you build a little community. Definitely. And it's so nice because you know that the, the two worlds will never converge. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, so it's like you have, you don't have to worry about something getting back to somebody else or it's yeah. like totally separate realms. Yes. Well, I'm glad you guys have like your little side thing here that I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind explaining to me exactly who you are, how you met, what you what you do or <laughs> Obviously, oh, please. he does. He's like no. all business. All he is. He's, he's researched you all day long. <laughs> oh, good. I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me just pull up my notes. Hold on. One yeah. Second. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Rachel is. So her like we're marriage and martinis, but our real names are Adam and Danielle. That's true. Did you know that? I did. So Rachel's uh, Instagram name and her blog name is Wine and Cheez Its. Okay. So Wine W H I N E like kids whining and Cheez Its, which cute. is adorable. Yeah, it's yeah. so cute. Um, so that's how we kind of know each other. How long have you been blogging now and everything? Um, for about six ish years. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah. long time. A long time. Okay. It's been, it's been a journey. Yeah. Right. And you're um. So, how, what made you first start doing it? Um. So I've always been a writer. My background's in public relations, which is like eighty-five percent writing, probably. And I just got sick of being in toxic work environments. I was divorced. I was dating, and I just um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't be in that corporate grind with just women who are willing to step all over each other to get to the top. I was over it. I was just done. So I figured I would take my talents, do my own thing. And I started out freelancing for a lot of clients, mostly on the business side, writing tech and business stuff, which was what my sweet spot was. And then my husband was like, you know, if you build up like a, my 
wasn't my husband yet, but it's like, if you build up like a good freelance funnel, you could leave your job and like do this full time. And that's what I did. It was a lot of hustle. Yeah. So you're happy now. I am so happy. I'm busier than I've ever been. Like, I don't know that I've ever felt pulled in every direction ever. And I've been in some very high demanding corporate jobs. But I think when you run your own business, as you know, it's all on you. Everything's on you. So if I don't work, if I don't write, I don't make money. If I don't do brand sponsorships, I don't make money. So there's just so many moving pieces that all fall on me and it's stressful, but I'm happy. Right. Yeah, but you obviously love it, right? So love it. I love it. it. It's like, oh, I have to work today. Correct. Well, you still have to get it done just like anything else. Of course. Even if, you know, well, she said she's busy. In. Right. Yeah, you're invested. You're in, I, th- I feel like when it's yours and it's your baby and I built it with my own hands and I made it what I wanted to make it and it keeps evolving. And when you do something like that from scratch, I feel like you are a bazillion times more invested. That's a good word for a writer, right? Bazillion. Sure. Um, <laughs> a bazillion times more invested than when you are working for somebody else or in an office or in a, for a corporation. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and one thing that I love about you and that I was always drawn to about you is, so you, we, well, we have a, obviously a marriage, you know, our whole thing is about marriage and, but relationships really, not just marriage and um, just either surviving marriage or whatever it might, might be. What, what do we talk about? I'm not sure. <laughs> do we have a genre? Do I we have know. a thing? I'm not no, sure. but that's why it's so good. It's life. Oh, <laughs> we, we, talk, we just, I don't know, we say a lot of you knows. <laughs> A lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but but you're very open about a lot of a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people aren't open about. And I love your whole your whole. First of all, you're you're hilarious, and you also are real. Um, and you're also like me, I think, which is maybe why we like each other. That we like. I also feel like a little bit we've all lost our sense of humor about parenting and about we take it so damn seriously. We and do. obviously it needs to be taken seriously to a certain extent. We want safe kids. We want healthy kids. We want, you know, kids who are going to contribute to society, but on a day-to-day basis and to some degree, especially with us who were on social media a ton and everything, which maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not so healthy. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but it does seem a little bit like you did a whole thing about when did we lose our sense of humor? What, yeah. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I feel the same way. Not, I think our listeners also feel the same way, like that they're here and we're all here doing this together because it feels good to separate ourselves from that seriousness. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? There's two ways I think you commiserate <clears throat> with someone, right? You either, there's a negative where you bitch and complain about something and you find your people and you find your allies, or you can laugh. And those are like the two main areas where I think people come together. And there's so much yucky, disgusting things in our world. Motherhood is hard. Marriage is hard. Life is hard. And when I first started writing, the majority of my stuff was humor-based and comedic. And I enjoyed it and I loved it, but I felt like if I was going to grow, I had to dig deeper. So I started sharing more. And like you said, I started to get more open, but when you open yourself up and you become vulnerable, that's when the crazy people come out. That's when they, they come in for the kill and they will hang on words that aren't even meant to be taken the way that you're writing them, but they're just looking for a fight. You're, they, they feel baited, even though you're not even doing anything. You're not trying to trigger them. There are so many people who I think are just so either trying to fill a void or miserable in their lives or 
stuck in a bad marriage or in a bad job and they just lash out behind a screen to someone they don't know when they see something, someone poking fun at something humorous about motherhood. I feel like motherhood is hilarious. If you really look at the things that we deal with on a regular basis, marriage too, it's ridiculous the things that go on. So if we can't laugh about them and poke fun about them without having to give the whole disclaimer, I love my kids, my Mm -hmm. husband is great. Like we shouldn't have to do that. We should be able to just have the word vomit and say what's going on during the day and have people go, oh yeah, me too, and laugh about it. But we don't, and that's the sad part. Most people do, but there, you know, like you said, being online, you post a meme, you post an article, you post a microblog, and you open up a little bit about the difficulties of motherhood or how shitty your day was or how your toddler destroyed your house or how your husband pissed you off. And you get people coming in telling you you should be grateful and you should be complaining and you're lucky to be married and you're lucky to have children. And yes, I am. I'm lucky to have all those things, but I'm also allowed to vent about it in a safe space, which I created with people around me who I think are like-minded. And it's very unfortunate when you have that negativity, but you have to, I, I've gotten better about having a thicker skin. It's hard though, because this is my life. I'm not writing fiction. I'm not writing fiction. This is, I am sharing bits and pieces of everything that goes down in my day to day. And sometimes it's little and sometimes it's big, but it's a little bit scary still to this day waiting when you see notifications and comments come in of what you're going to deal with. Um, it's, I've, tr- I've found therapeutic, therapeutic ways to deal with it that bring me satisfaction, but it's hard. Yeah. Well, we are completely on the same page. And for the most part, I think, and I think you'll agree, for the most part, once you build your community and you find your people, um, I think there's so much support also. You know, there's that, there are those people like we have, I feel like the Marriage of Martinis community, I'm sure yours also, mostly we get um, you know, embraced and accepted. And, and we're, and when we have a conversation on a podcast, I mean, Adam will tell you, I have crazy anxiety when we release every episode. Every episode? Yeah, I get it. I get every it. Every episode, I'm like, oh my God, we revealed too much, or this is going to come across the wrong way, or people are going to take this wrong, or oh my God, Adam, you pushed a boundary that we shouldn't have. Like, I get crazy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you do get people who are like, you said that one thing, I'm never listening again. And you're like, really? I, come on. I, I mean, here I am, I'm putting myself out there. So it's hard. But I also think that everybody can relate, not just bloggers, because I think we've all been on the internet. Yes. Um, well, it's, every, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere that we've all posted something and somebody, either a stranger or a friend or an acquaintance makes a comment and you're like, Ugh, all right, what am I doing? Am I ignoring this? Am I deleting it? Or am I actually going to come back and have this conversation that's going to get out of control? And that's exactly it, right? You have to figure out. Like I, in the beginning, used to, used to defend myself to everyone. I felt like that if somebody wrote something negative, whether about me, my kids, my husband, I went in and I defended myself. Then I started ignoring it. And now the amazing thing that's starting to happen with, like you said, with the community I don't have to do anything. I have people coming and going after those people, having my back. And that's incredible because these are strangers, even though they're my people. And that is as cheesy as it sounds, it makes it all worth it because you're building this tribe of people who don't know you personally, but they follow you. You have conversations with one another whether it's in comments over DM. And then when a troll comes in for the kill, you have a whole army of people who are ready to attack on your behalf. And it is a thing of beauty. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to ignore those, you know, yeah. you know, those negative comments, the troll. They're looking for something out of you. They're just looking, Absolutely. whether they agree with what, what they're even saying or not, they're just looking for a fight. They're looking they for are. fun. 
So and you can tell, you can tell when they're, there's the things they say are so ridiculous sometimes that you can tell, oh, this is just someone who needs to be dissident and like have a very, a, a different opinion from you so that you can go back and forth. They need the interaction. They need the drama. They right. need the drama. And I, and, I don't give a And drama. just like in real life, you know, when something is, someone's being constructive and trying to give constructive criticism and you know, when somebody is just mm-hmm. um, looking for an argument, there's, there's yeah. two different, I think that's real life also. Yeah. Uh, but but you are very vulnerable because, as we said, you talk about. So you're divor- you were divorced. Mm-hmm. How long ago? Um, eight ish years ago. Okay, and you're remarried. I'm remarried. We've been together six years. Um, married for four, and it's it's a crazy life that we've created. But you know, you don't. Nobody prepares you for what happens during and after divorce. Um, and I had a child. I had a. a she was four when I met my now husband, but she was two when we separated. Um, and it was scary. I came back to Florida without a job because I quit my job to get her situated in preschool. And then I found myself in a situation where I was completely reliant on someone who I was divorcing. Um, financially, emotionally, we were still living together. It was bad. It was a scary situation and I had to function for my child. And so you kind of just leave your body or I left my body and just did whatever I had to do to get through each day um, until we were in separate places and I could actually take a breath and not feel the key, hear the key in the door and think, okay, what's today going to bring? What are we going to fight? Are we going to give each other the silent treatment? It's a very hard place to live in that limbo area until you've actually like moved on to separate quarters and you can start to heal a little bit and move on. Right. So I I can only, because I think the one thing that we all think, and I, I, I think a lot of couples like us have at some point contemplated separating mm-hmm. um, and that leap is so terrifying. So terrifying. Yeah. And I think that's often the thing is people, like you said, the finances and everything like that. And oh my God, now I'm going to be on my own and I have a kid. And I, how did you finally get the courage to take that leap? You know, I think that it's, that question is probably the most common question. I get so many, whenever I write an article about divorce or marriage or blending a family, I get my DMs blow up with people going, how did you know? How did you know it was time? What made you make that decision? And I think it's so subjective for everyone. For me, I just was tired of the fighting. I was tired. I had, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't, I had nothing left. I couldn't beg to save a marriage. I couldn't, you know, stand in front of someone who I loved with all of my heart. We were together since we were 18 years old. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And my body just kind of did it for me. I remember having a conversation about getting divorced. And in the past where I used to be like, no, please, we can work this out. We can work this out. I just, my whole, something took over me and I was like, okay. And I think we were both surprised, but I just, I couldn't physically exist like that anymore. I was tired. I was drained emotionally and physically. Uh, It just wasn't a happy home. And I had a little girl and my parents got divorced. I was much older. I was 22, but I didn't want her to grow up in a house where, you know, I think People, people in marriages fight, they argue, that's all normal, totally normal. But there's a very fine line between the bickering and fighting of a marriage and the kind that is unhealthy and toxic for a child. And again, I think that's different for every family. Um, but I don't know that there was a defining moment where I physically knew that it was time. I just, I reached my limit. I reached my threshold of where I couldn't have the back and forth of, are we gonna make it or are we not? I just needed to be done. And in that moment when that happened, I was still terrified. Even though I knew it was the right decision, I still was terrified. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. It's a life-changing experience, like you said, financially, physically, everything about it. It just, it's very, very scary. 
I, I can't even, yeah, I can't even imagine. And we do get that a lot. We get a lot of people who message us and say, um, you know, I, I feel like I need to, I don't know how. Um, mm-hmm. And I think even in times when I was thinking about it with our relationship, I was the same kind of thing. I was sort of like, I don't even know how I would do this, but you did it. And, I and did. It wasn't easy. It wasn't worse. You know what? But it's none of it's easy. You know what I mean? I know. I don't. I don't mean to say that. What you know? I don't mean to compare because I know every situation is different. But what I'm saying is, I mean, you are what I love about you is that you are this, um, this you know, living, breathing proof that it's possible. You know, I think, and I think when you don't feel like yourself, I think for me, one of the biggest things is I felt so stifled. I felt like I couldn't speak up. I felt like I couldn't share how I was feeling. Um, and not that anyone was quote unquote making me feel that way. It was, it's on me. I just wasn't myself. I had, a, I mean, I'm not a quiet person. I'm very outgoing, but in my marriage and in my life around that whole time, I was very subdued and I was very censored and that's not me. And I think I finally got to the point where I just felt so uncomfortable in my own skin that I knew that I couldn't go on like that anymore. Um, I knew that it was going to be a hard road. And what I always tell people when they say, how did you know it was time? And what do you do? And what's the first step? I always say, listen, my, this, is, this is not science. It's not fact. If you have children, you fight tooth and nail to save your marriage if it's viable and you do everything you can to try and make it work because it's much harder. It is so much harder, especially in the beginning, to be divorced and co-parent, especially when you have that animosity. However, you know in your heart, if it's not fixable, and you're really questioning it that much, you can't stay together for the kids. It's, it's complicated because, you know, you say to someone, try and work it out for the kids, but don't work it out if it's not good. It's only you know if it is that time where you have to pull the trigger and you have to go. Right, right. Yeah, but think if you're trying so hard just for the kids, it's not going to really be that great for the kids. Agree. Well, that's why I'm, so you have to, you have to, you know, I, I'm a big fan of therapy. I love therapy. I think you go to therapy, you do whatever, whatever you feel like you need to do. However, if you don't want to do anything and you're done and you're like, this is bullshit, I'm out, then you leave. Like there's no right or wrong. I think you have to do what you have to trust your gut. You have to do what feels right. Your kids are going to be okay. Unfortunately, we're in an era right now where many people are divorced. My toddler in preschool, there were more people divorced when I was getting divorced and there were married parents. So I found solace in knowing that when I would say to her, oh no, you can't have a play date with so-and-so today because she's at her dad's. She wasn't asking a question. She was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like there was a frame of reference. She understood. And that's just the way society is right now. There's, There's no norm in terms of married and divorced. There's a little bit of everything. And so it made it a little more palatable for all of us to um, not feel like pariahs. You know, I think there was a time where people didn't do it because you felt like there were so many social repercussions. And even though it's uncomfortable to go through it, I think those social repercussions don't exist anymore. Mm. And I think also now a family is just in general look so different. So different. You know, there's so many single parent families and, you know, the, you know, the people who have their two married couples and they're Mm -hmm. close or they're whatever, you know, it's, um, yeah, there's just so many different ways, which, which definitely makes it easier also. Much easier. Yep. Yeah. Um, so how was that transition like back into dating and stuff? It sucked. I mean, think about dating, you know, when we, we're all the same age, we're all same age bracket, I think, right? 28. Right. Same. (laughs) Um, You know, when we, when I met my first husband, I was 18. I was in college. There was no social media. I didn't even have a cell phone yet. It, It was so different. And 
I really contemplated for a long time. I was like, you know what? I don't have to date again. I'll just be, we'll just be big and little Edie from Grey Gardens. We'll be like a dysfunctional mother daughter who lived together in like a dilapidated house and I won't, it'll be fine. Right. I couldn't bring myself to even think about being naked in front of someone else. I didn't want to start shaving my legs regularly. Like all those things, you just, it sounds so stupid, but you get so comfortable. You're, even if you're miserable, you're comfortable. Yes. Because no, you've been with that person. Total for sense. Total sense. So here I am, I'm in my, you know, mid to late-ish thirties with a, you know, two-year-old, almost three-year-old. And I'm like, I'm going to go out and date and I have to like, just so you know, I have a kid and I, you know, I'm divorced. I, I have to have those conversations. So my friends forced me, legitimately forced me to go online. It was so overwhelming. Um, things start flashing on your screen and people are sending you messages and it's just, it's not fun. It wasn't, I'm not one of those people who was like, oh, this is great attention. It was overwhelming and exhausting. And I, I didn't touch my computer a few, for a few days. And thankfully after a couple of failed setups and just, you know, flirting and trying to get my game back on and a rebound, that was a ridiculous rebound. I met my now husband and it just was so natural. It worked. We met online, um, but we knew each other peripherally through a million people just didn't really know each other. And so I think that um, I believe in the universe and timing and all those things. I think he came into my life when we were both ready. He was divorced with no kids and I had one and I bitched about his dogs. And I was like, I can't bitch about his dogs. I'm coming with a child. Like I, I, had, to, <laughs> I had to, you know, kind of take my expectations to a different place. Um, but it was very scary to date. It's scary when you've been with someone not even just in a relationship, in a marriage, when you live with someone and you share a household and you pay bills together and you do all these adult things and then you're alone and you have a small child and you have to put matching bras and underwear on and you have to think, oh my God, he might like, you know, try and kiss me. It's very awkward. It's awkward when you've been, when you've been with someone for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then also talking to your kid about it. Well, you know, everyone handles that part differently. I know many people who are much more casual about it. I did not introduce anybody to my child. Um, to me, I didn't want her to see a revolving door of men that I dated. It was very important to me that whoever she met was someone that I knew I saw a future with. So the only person she ever met is my now husband. And I met him fairly quickly, like, you know, a year and a half after I was divorced. So it's not like I was trolling around bringing men home. It, you know, I wasn't, didn't, that, that, that never really happened. But everyone that I met, the first thing that went through my, my mind was, can I see this person in her life? Is this someone who's going to love my kid the way that I love my kid? Is this someone who's not going to get annoyed when plans get canceled because my ex is sick and he can't take her? Is this someone who's not going to get up in arms when I get you know, into a fight with my ex over co-parenting? I needed someone who was going to be the rock to my crazy, who was not going to add more drama, but was going to be peace and calm and not make me crazy. I had enough crazy. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't deal with any more crazy. I needed someone who was solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense though, because if you introduce your daughter to um, men that you're bringing home, I mean, it's like an emotional mind fuck to the kid because it's like, oh, do I get to know this guy? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do I get to know the next guy? No. Okay. Like, when do I get to know? So yeah, from what you're saying, it makes total sense. You should, like, you wait till you find the person that you say, hey, can I have a relationship with this person going forward? Then we introduce the child. And it was my mom who pushed that. I was not, we've been together for... We've been together for probably three or four months and it was a Jewish holiday. I don't remember which one. And 
my mom said, well, why don't you, instead of making a big deal of like, okay, putting them face to face and stare at each other, we're having a whole family dinner, invite them over. It's all of us. We've all met them already. So it's comfortable and it'll just be natural. And I was so scared. I was like, I can't, that's crazy. I can't do that for, for a holidays. That's the first time he's going to meet my child. But it ended up being the best thing because there were so many distractions there. It wasn't just the two of them trying to feel each other out. It was just a very natural day where everyone was celebrating together and he came in with a gift for her and it was very sweet and he was eager to meet her. I was the one pulling the brakes. He was the one going, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I was so scared because in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, her dad and I didn't work out. She's already seen one failed marriage. I'm so scared to introduce anyone that potentially won't be in my life and have her think that that's how it works. I don't want her to have that understanding of relationships. I want her to see healthy and functioning and forever, not something that may come to an end. Right. But in the meantime, she also saw her mom doing what she needed to do. And, you know, she, that's also, I think, a really important thing to show also that, you know, that, that you were strong enough to leave a situation that wasn't good for you. Yes. And, and even though she might be too young at the time or now to appreciate that, I think one day looking back, she really will. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really interesting because she's 10 now. Um, and in the beginning, she was so little, she didn't really ask questions. And, you know, when we separated, we made it fun for her. Oh, you're going to have two houses and two bedrooms and two sets of toys and so many things. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be an adventure. And she was too. So to her, it was normal. Um, it wasn't until like probably four-ish years later, she started asking questions and I wasn't prepared because I kind of thought, all right, she didn't ask any questions. We're good. We're in the clear. You're not really, you don't, you don't know when that's going to come. And so as she's gotten older and she starts to see other relationships, now the questions are coming, but it's also easier because she's older. So she's has a better understanding. We can have a little bit more serious conversations. Right. Right. And she does ask questions. Yes, totally. Yeah. In the very beginning, when I first met my current husband, Jason, when I first met him and we started dating and then we got engaged, she would say to me, well, you know, do you think you and daddy will get back together? And it wasn't in like, I wish you get back together. It was like almost like an, as a, as a matter of fact question. I think she was trying to wrap her head around the whole situation. But I think once she saw us together and we, she saw how stable it was and how her dad and I were still on good terms, even though I was in a new relationship, I think everything just became more organic and comfortable to her. That's great. I'm sorry. So how old was your daughter at the time that she met your now husband? She was four. She was four. Yeah. What kind of at four years old, was there any kind of reaction to meeting him for the first time or could she get it? So I didn't call him my boyfriend. Um, I wanted to kind of, I felt weird saying like, she didn't know this person existed. I'm going to say, this is mommy's boyfriend. It was, and it felt so weird to me at, you know, 30 something years old, be like, this is my boyfriend. It's such a weird term. Yeah, it just yeah, feels yeah, like yeah. douchey to me. I don't know. It's just right, right. So I introduced him as my friend. I said, this is my friend. And then he would start coming over um, when I had her because in the, when I had her on the weekends that she was with me, we didn't see each other. We would talk, but he didn't come and hang out with us. So when I introduced him as my friend, I think she was just like, Oh, okay. No big deal. I think she started to see as we were together more and we all did stuff together. And then the dogs would come over. The only thing I never let him do is I never let him sleep over when I had her ever, ever, ever. It felt weird to me for her to see a man waking up in my bed. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com That wasn't my fiance, wasn't my husband. And I know that's like super traditional and I am not a super traditional person. But when it came to my kid, I was so protective that I wanted her to see that tradition. I didn't want her to think that I just had men sleeping over. And it's not wrong if I did. There's nothing wrong with it. I didn't want her to see it. So he started as a friend. She watched it evolve. And um, when we got engaged, we didn't tell anyone. We, my parents knew because they were there. They videotaped it. His parents knew. Um, we told her first before anyone because I didn't want her hearing it from someone else. And it wasn't even that. I wanted to share that moment with her since she wasn't there. I wanted her to get excited about because as we were dating and it got longer and longer, she kept saying to me like, what happens when you get married? What happens when you get engaged? Do you get a ring? Do you walk down an aisle? She was very obsessed with all the details of the nuptial part of it. And so I wanted her to get excited about it. Um, and so she, he started as a friend. She watched a natural evolution. And so I think it all kind of happened very, very normally to her. Yeah. yeah. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. I really love these internet companies that do just one thing, but they do it really well. Care of is one of those companies. They take this really cool and new approach in a way to get you your vitamins that you need just for you. You go online and you take this really fun quiz and it lets you know exactly what you need. They ask you questions about your diet, your health goals, lifestyle choices, and it only takes five minutes to find out your own personal and scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. And for your favorite part, Danielle, Depending on your personalized care of plan, you'll get daily vitamin packs sent right to your door, just like Danielle likes them. So I don't have to ever leave the house. In these cute little packets with, with my your name. name on it. Yep. I know. And these cute quotes of the day. Yeah. I know. I do love it. It is fun. And I like that they're making it fun. And because vitamins are actually really boring, but they make it fun. It is like a cute. Right? F- yeah. I mean, who thought vitamins would be fun? Yeah, they are fun. And I feel like special that it's just for me. It's almost like um, my personal like uh, power pack. <laughs> well, so because Danielle hates leaving the house, I do. I hate it. Every month you're going to get these little packets shipped right to your door, so you don't have to leave the house. Because I know Danielle doesn't like doing that. No, nope. and you have to less and less these days. <laughs> Another cool thing that they're doing now—it's brand new. They have these uh, protein powder packets, or available in tubs if you just want bulk of it in your house. So go to takecareof.com and get 25% off your first order with code MNM. That's takecareof.com for 25% off. Use code MNM. We've been using the Greenlight Carden app for over a month now, and you know how much it's changed our lives and our kids' lives because, number one, we kind of suck at teaching our kids about finances, and we have for a while. That is correct. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I hope you agree with that. Oh, I know. Yeah. But our daughter, uh, she wanted to get, she's a teenager. She wanted to get her hair done, highlights and cut and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, fine. You are paying for this. Mm-hmm. So number one, she had to go get a job and earn money to do this. So she went and she she got a babysitting job, which is really cool. That's new for her too. Yeah, <laughs> responsibility, then, right? Uh-huh. We're we're kicking ass in this responsibility stuff. Yes, we are. So the money that she earned, we put it right into her Greenlight app, 
and she has her debit card available to use and spend wherever she wants. Mm -hmm. She can save with it. She could spend it right away, but she wanted her hair done. So I was really proud of her that she put the money in there, let it sit, and she let it save. And what's also cool about the saving is that us as the parents, we can teach them about interest and have like a parent interest in the savings account and pay them whatever percent on top of what they save. Yeah, so or we can match whatever that she saves too. If oh, yeah, you of course. To. Yeah, but, which is great also. The green light card also focuses on safety. They give us the ability, us or the kid, to turn off the card if they lose it. So right, right in the Right app, on your phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just press a button and now it's done. You can't mm-hmm. use it anymore. And they also have the EMV chip, which provides an extra layer of security on your card. Wait, you forgot the most important part. What? How did her hair turn out? <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to know how her hair turned out. Well, post the picture because it's freaking awesome. It is awesome, right? But I love the color. I love the length. I love what she did. And I yeah, think I was she really got pink her. streaks and it really looks awesome. It does look awesome. Yeah, she wears it well. And yeah. she did it her, not just she did it herself. Thank God she didn't do it herself, <laughs> but she earned it herself. She did earn it herself. There's so much more to Greenlight. You got to check them out. Go to greenlightcard.com slash marriage and your first month is free. And then it's just $4.99 a month after for up to five kids. That's crazy. It's awesome. It's a no-brainer. Go check it out. Greenlightcard.com slash marriage for $4.99 a month, first month free. I love how, so you, you said it was very important once you were getting married to involve her in the wedding. Yes. So, yeah, and, and she walked you down the aisle? She did. Oh, my she God, did. I love that. I, I know. I just got chills saying that, and it's weird because it's my life, but um, she... Right. Sometimes we almost can't believe our own. I think when I'm going through, through, I'm like, it feels surreal to even sometimes talk about the things that have happened because it almost seems like it's not your own life. Well, when you're living it, it's so different from being an outsider. And that I didn't want her to be an outsider at our wedding. I didn't want her to be watching from the sidelines and be like sitting there like everybody else because she wasn't like everybody else. He wasn't just marrying me. He was marrying us. He was getting an instant family. And so to me, it felt really weird to just have her be like a flower girl or sitting there with my mother while she watched us exchange vows. It was very important to me that even from the beginning, from dress fittings to all the stuff we talked about, I wanted her invested in the process so that she felt like it was her new family and part of her new life. I didn't want her to feel like, oh, well, my parents got divorced. My mom got remarried. I wanted her, her to feel very much included. Mm. And I probably was a little too hypersensitive about it because I was always so nervous about how she was feeling. I was always so nervous about if she was upset or if she was okay, or if she was questioning, you know, what was going on and if her little brain was processing it. And so I just felt like it was important, especially because we have a very close relationship. We've always had a very tight bond and we do so much together. It would have been weird for me to be like, okay, mommy and Jason are going to get married and you're going to sit right here and you're going to watch the whole thing go down. No, I wanted her to walk down with me. It was very symbolic that we walked down together because he was getting us together. I'm a package deal. I wasn't, he wasn't marrying a single woman with no baggage. He was marrying a divorced woman with a child and it's very real. And I wanted that to be honored. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I love. I know. I, I think we, I want to post a picture. There's like the cutest picture of her walking you down the yeah. aisle. That was yeah. awesome. That had to be it a was great for everybody was. who was there. It was. It was. Yeah, it was yeah. very special. Oh, that's great. Um, and now you have so now you have this like beautiful blended family and everything. So so what have been? I know that we have a lot of listeners who are also in blended families and everything. And there's all this stuff about, they, they ask, you know, 
uh, there's the, there's the issue of the finances. There's the issue of the kids. There's the issue of obviously the co-parenting with your ex. There's a, what have been the trials and tribulations and what, what have you learned for people who might be going through the same thing? So I think it's, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people getting divorced or divorced people because of what I write about and the people who contact me and also because of just um, close circles of friends who go through it. I think that, you know, when you bring someone into the mix and you're blending a family, you have to be careful to pick the right person because if you pick someone who's going to get jealous or upset or get bent out of shape about arrangements that you have with your child's parents, your ex, it's going to make things a lot more complicated. You know, we, my, my, daughter's father and I, my older daughter's father and I have a relationship still, whether we want to or not. We are connected for the rest of our lives because we have this beautiful child together. And so we have made promises to each other that may not be realistic. Like every year for her birthday, the three of us go to dinner, just the three of us, me, him, and her, because that is her family. We are all family, but she didn't ask for a divorce. She didn't ask to have a blended family. And she's a wonderful stepdaughter, a wonderful big sister. She loves her little sister, but it was very important to me that there was still some integrity behind that part of her life. I didn't want her to think that because we moved on that none of that mattered. And so we made a promise to each other and we've done it every year. The three of us go to dinner for her birthday. If I had a boyfriend, a husband, whoever, who got crazy every time that happened, it would never work. It would mm -hmm. never work. I mean, that's my story. That's not how everyone is. But you have to kind of find someone who's going to be okay with whatever your situation is, whatever your arrangement is, whatever your relationship is. You can't find someone who adds fuel to the fire. If I would get upset about an argument we would have, my husband now is the one who would talk me down and say, relax, chill. Like, you can't control everything. Let's stress out about things you can control it'll be fine. If I had someone who was like, you know, digging at me and going, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. You can't let him do this. I would be a crazy person. Mm -hmm. So you have to find someone who, who really, really truly embraces the fact that co-parenting is hard. It is hard on a good day. And you have to have someone who's on board and understands that everything you're doing is for the best interest of your child. And Jason has always been that person for me. Everything wow. with him has always been with Ava in mind, always. Even before we had the second baby, making it a blended family, she has always been the priority. And if you can't, you have to be with someone who respects that, or it makes it a lot more stressful for you. Not you have to, you don't have to do anything, but it makes it a lot more stressful in a co-parenting situation, especially if you're not on good terms, to have someone who um, doesn't roll with the punches and make it easier for you. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And so now you have another child with the new husband. And how was the age difference between and it's both girls? Both girls, they are eight years apart. Yeah, she she wanted a sister um, so badly, and she kept saying she was little when I we first started, you know, trying to get pregnant, and um, she wanted a sister. And I said, well, it doesn't really work. What happens if you have a baby brother? And she goes, you'll just give him, you'll put him up for adoption, try again. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> not really how it works, but okay. Right, okay. Um, so she was really excited. And I'm, I only know a daughter. So for me, it was exciting too. I wouldn't have cared. I was so happy. I had suffered a miscarriage before and I was like devastated and a wreck. So I didn't even care. I just wanted a baby. I wanted a baby. Um, and then I had the baby and I thought I screwed up my entire family. Um, that first week home from the hospital was awful, awful. I had my older daughter upset 
because I had to keep going to the baby's room because I was nursing. There was definitely, a, you know, the, they're not getting the attention. The, the baby's getting the attention and you feel like shit. You feel like, oh my God, I just gave her what she wanted. She wanted a sister, but now nobody understood the gravity of that decision. And you know what it's like to be sleep deprived and the newborn stage is the worst to begin with. And so now you're adding it to a child who's not with you hundred percent of the time. And so you feel that guilt of, oh my God, she's going to her dad's and she knows that I'm sitting here with a baby and my husband and she's probably reeling with jealousy, which she wasn't. It was all me. I was making it up in my head, but I there's felt jealousy like I, no matter what. I mean, when we jealousy no matter what. Yeah, I mean, in a, even in a perfectly, you know, stable is the wrong word, but you know, mm-hmm. like actual, you know, two parent household with, mm-hmm. you know, full siblings and everything. It's all, there's, there's always jealousy. Yeah, but she was, always. like you're saying, you're building it up more in your head than it probably actually 100, was. She was never jealous. She right. loved that baby from the second she was born. It was more, it was about me. It was, well, you used to lay with me when I, you know, all the things that I yeah. did. I it was guilt. It was, yeah. I had so much guilt and I, the guilt was compounded by the fact that she wasn't with me 24 seven. And so I would sit there and, and obsess about it in my head, thinking, is she okay? Is she okay? Is she okay? And she was fine. It was me. It's always us. Our kids are, are usually fine. It's always us that make it into something that it's really not because we're so worried about them. Mm-hmm. But she is the best big sister, the best. And the thing now that I get crazy about is when people feel the need to constantly point out like, oh, so they're half siblings. It makes me insane. I'm like, no, they're sisters. They're sisters. There's no half. There's no whole. They're sisters. So you go from fighting one battle internally to then dealing with like the comments that probably aren't mean even meant to be derogatory, but you take them, you internalize them sure. that way. You know, divorce brings on these divorce and blended families bring on so many complications that nobody even prepares you for. And there's no handbook. There's no way to figure it out. You just you just have to like survive. And so it's it's a different lesson for me every stage that we go through. Hmm. Yeah. So tell, like, so the half. I know you wrote an article, like a really uh, mm-hmm. awesome article about, you know, don't refer to my daughters as half sisters. I did. I yeah. did because she, you know, she came home um, from her dad's one time when the baby was little, and she was like, "Is she my stepsister?" And I said, "No." And she goes, "But we don't have the same dad." And I said, "No, but you have the same mom. You both grew in my belly. You both have the same blood running through your veins. It doesn't matter who your dad is. She is your sister." And I felt like I had to keep repeating that more for me, more for me than for her. Um, and she gets it. But I, in the beginning, she kept asking that same question over and over and over. And the only thing I could understand is that people were saying things to her. Again, not to be mean, but she was in school and people probably say, oh, you're, you're half sister, which I don't know why. I don't know why people have to quantify it. Labels. Everything is about labels. And I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking about negative comments and trolls earlier it's really interesting because sometimes I write stuff and I'm like, oh, the trolls are going to come out. And sometimes I write stuff. I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get negative comments on this. You'd be a monster to comment negatively. That article, that was for Pop Sugar. And it was about, you know, please don't tell my sister, my kids, they're half siblings. The amount of people that commented or reached out to me and said I was being ridiculous and I was harming my daughter because I was hiding the truth from her was 
out of control. There was no truth. Zara is right. Why? Right. There was no truth hiding. She knows that she. What do you, the kid is ten years old. She knows they they have different fathers. Yeah, like different. you're lying to her about who her parents are. Correct. I just listen. If you open a dictionary, it's a, you're the half sister. Okay, that's the technical term for it. Right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Right. You're right. right. Thank you for the comment. She's right. a half sister, but. Right. They're sisters. Okay? Right. We don't we don't do that because I don't ever want there to be an like exclusivity. I want everyone to feel included. I want my kids, it's important even when I got married, that we my husband had the conversation with his parents too. Like whatever we do for Sienna, we do for Ava because she's these are our kids and he has been I never even had to say he has always referred to them as our kids, our girls. I, I mean, that's another thing I think when you're blending a family it's very scary to think as the mother, if you're the mother and both of them are your kids, I looked at him in the beginning going, Oh my God, is he going to feel different? Is he going to look at this baby? And like, Ava's going to be kind of like, you know, forgotten a little bit. It is so paralyzing when you have those thoughts go through your head and you have to be with someone who is going to accept your family for your family. And there's no halves or step or this or that. He never refers to her as his stepdaughter ever, ever. Whenever we are in public, whether we're in private, whether it's to her face or behind her back, they're our children, our daughters, our kids. And it's not a disrespectful thing to my ex. It's, it's a inclusive thing of making sure that nobody feels like odd man out. Mm. Yeah, no, I think I think it's amazing. And I think it's amazing too because I think there are people out there who are wondering if if it's possible to have a second marriage like that. You know what I mean? Is it yeah. is it is there any I wonder that. <laughs> I think everybody does, you know, and every you know, and then you're sort of like, Oh, well, she got him, she got the one. Yeah. <laughs> he I still, was the one and she And you still I'm I'm gonna be very open too. My husband is the best man. I could not have found a better man, but I still have insecurities. I still sometimes, if, if I hear him say to Ava, don't go get your backpack, pick it up. I'm like, don't yell at her. Like I get, right, right, right. I get very territorial of making sure that, okay, you're not going to yell at the little one. Don't yell at the big one. I just, it's, it's my own neuroses and I don't know that it'll ever go away completely, but I feel like a tiger mom making sure that my kids are treated equally by everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's kind of our job. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so and and again, like we said before, you're doing everything you have to do, but at the end of the day, when we sit down to talk about it, we need humor and we need, you know what I mean? So here we are, we see that you're obviously doing everything that needs to be done to the thousandth degree, but we need a place to come together and talk about it. And we need to be able to, I just posted something, I forget who it was by yesterday. I posted a meme that said, um, I love my kids more than, oh, it was by moms behaving badly. It said, if, you, if I love my kids more than life itself, but if I can't call them assholes in front of you, then I'm sorry, we're not going to be friends. Totally. Listen, kids act like assholes. They do. Kids act like assholes. It's, it doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean that we wouldn't throw ourselves in front of a bus for them. Right. Right. But that's the problem is that the, whoever is saying that to you about the article or online or anything like that, like all they see is that one snippet. They're not seeing the behind the scenes of you going home and 24 seven, making sure that your kid is feeling equal and loved and adored. And like, we're doing that. Just give us, give us the benefit of the doubt. Let's come together and have this place to just commiserate without judgment. Like, why is that so hard? 
Well, I think the thing I love too about being on social media and talking about all these things and you do it and I do it and all the people we know collectively do it. The thing that is the best part of it is that I think we're starting to normalize things that were never talked about. And I think that's so important to motherhood and marriage and life in general. We need to talk about miscarriage. We need to talk about postpartum depression. We need to talk about divorce. We need to talk about blending families. These are things that are very real parts of our life. We don't live in white picket fences like Stepford Wives who there's no issues and everything is swept under the rug. There are very real things that go down in everyone's life. And there's no reason that we shouldn't feel comfortable talking about those things because I think when you talk about them, you find common ground with people, you get different perspectives, or at the very least, it's like a therapy session where you get out all that pent up bad stuff that's inside of you and you feel the release and you feel better. If we keep all that inside, it's it's damaging and it eats away at us and it's like cancerous and gross and we can't do that anymore. And that's yeah. why I think I push myself to share because when I do and when I share the really important stuff and the deep stuff that I get antsy, like you said, when you go to you know publish a new podcast, you're always like, oh God, are we putting this out there? Right before I hit that publish button, I'm shaking a little bit too, wondering what it's going to bring. But I do it because I didn't quit a job and change my life to like paint a sugar-coated picture of motherhood and marriage and divorce. I want, I like to read the real stuff. I want to put out the real stuff. I don't want to, there's no point in faking it. Right. And also it's so interesting because I used to be a teacher and I remember there was this administrator who used to come in and um, he was so hard on all of us and he used to give us so much shit and he never thought we were doing enough and everything. And then it was so interesting. um, There were a lot of budget cuts in the district and everything and he had to come into the classroom and he was being, he was like a sub for a little while. And I remember him coming up to us and saying, um, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I had no idea what it took to be a teacher, what it took to be in front of the classroom. I was looking at it with this, you know, like single lens, you know, from the sidelines. And once you're in the thick of it, you realize like, just like once you put yourself out there and you, and you're in that situation and you realize, oh my God, what they're doing is really hard. And that's for anybody, you know, we don't know what it's entailed in in any role or job that's not ours. So it's like, here we are, we're trying to be so vulnerable and stuff. Well, a little bit, people need to think to themselves, okay, I, I, I'm not in that seat. I'm not doing it. I'm sure it's really hard. And I need to be a little bit forgiving if they say something a little that doesn't, directly go in line with my mode of thinking or, you know, we all need to put our, put ourselves in each other's shoes and say, okay, and I'm not just talking for, I'm saying with every, with everything, we don't know what it is to be in that person's shoes and we need to be more forgiving and, and non-judgmental. With everything, everyone's too, even with the little things, I was on the phone with a girlfriend the other day who recently lost her mother and she was telling me how she was on her cell phone in a grocery store and the cashier gave her such a dirty look, but she was on the phone because she was arranging for her mother's remains. And the person was so nasty, get off your phone. And she snapped back and told him what she was doing. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors, on a phone call, on a text message. Everyone needs to stay in their lane and stop worrying about everybody else's life and show a little bit of compassion and commiserate and laugh and not judge. And all of us will be better for it. It's just, it's a very ugly way to live to judge what someone else is doing in their life. 
barring someone harming their child or doing something unsafe, let people parent the way they want to parent, let people be married the way they want to be married. And, and that's it. You worry about yourself and you support your friends the best you can. And that's it. Yeah, I love it. All right. So the last question I have is we recently did an episode where we talked about things we no longer give a fuck about. Mm -hmm. And you have been through a lot. We've all, you know, we all have our own stories and you have been through your own story and everything. And I was going to say, after everything you've been through with dealing with the mom shamers and, you know, the the co-parenting and the dating and the, what is one thing that you used to give a fuck about that you no longer give a fuck about? Um, I think it's probably mostly related to professionally everything I put out there. I think I used to, people, even friends and family used to say, you're sharing that. I mean, I wrote about my <laughs> husband's, all yeah, the time. That sounds I wrote very about, familiar. right. I wrote about my husband's vasectomy with his, which is with his permission. I said, can I write about it? He was like, yeah, people were like, you wrote about that. And I go, why? It's not porn. It's right. he, he got We're talking fixed. about porn too. So, <laughs> right. so good about saying, this like, comes up in almost every episode, and so does porn. So, what's the difference? Right. So, but I mean, like, I I think I start. I I really used to care about everything that I posted in terms of how other people would perceive it, mm. and I think I finally got into a place where. I'm not only comfortable in my skin as a mother, as, you know, having a blended family, going through a divorce, having this be my new normal. I'm so much more comfortable with the stuff that I put out there, even if I know it's going to trigger people, because if it triggers people, that means that it's pushing buttons that need to be pushed. It's starting conversations that need to be started. And so, whereas I used to be a lot more timid to overshare, um, and when I look back in the beginning of the things that I wrote, I cringe because I'm like, God, I thought I was sharing a lot then. Now I'm like, everyone, I mean, when you get, you know, when you have people send you messages about things about your life and like, oh, I read this and I saw you went through this. You're like, God, I really do have a lot of stuff out there that I share. I don't care anymore. I don't give a fuck about it anymore because either you're my people or you're not. And you don't have to follow what I write and you don't have to comment and you don't have to be involved in the conversation. But if you are, I'm so happy you're there. Those are the people that I want. Those are the people I want to engage with and have the conversations. And as my my audience grows and the people I talk to grow, it is so fulfilling and so validating that I am putting stuff out there that's resonating with people enough to make them want to reach out. So I think that has really made me have a thicker skin with everything that I share. And I, I don't give a fuck anymore. I don't care about how much, how much I curse in posts. I don't care if someone doesn't like my opinion. You know, I try and stay away from really hot button things because I'll get fired up and I just can't have that stress, but. Right. And there's I just really, no, it goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. So I've really just gotten to the habit where I've stopped planning so much and I post what I want to post when I want to post it. I don't look at algorithms. I don't look at analytics. I don't look at any of it. I, I did this because I wanted to do something that I was passionate about. And if I get so bogged down about my numbers and this and that, it, it means nothing. All of it is for nothing. So all these people who I speak to who are like, oh, do you plan and do you put the, no, when I, something happens, my kid leaves a dish in the sink, I take a picture of it and I post a whole rant about it because that's what happening, that's what's happening in the moment. So I stopped caring so much about, I think, being calculated and planning as much when it comes to my personal writing. Well, I appreciate that about you really. And you, and I like it, it, it also makes me more courageous to do it because I think, you know, when, when we see each other and we know we have each other's backs too, which is really helpful and everything. We have this awesome community. And like you said, there are so many people who, who are our tribe and we have so many, you know, uh, people. And I mean, in marriage martinis, I can't even believe sometimes I'm, I'm just always waiting for someone to say something negative and, you know, and then they say something positive and I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, this is, these are my people. So it's, it is, it is also really rewarding. So, 
But you guys are doing it too. You guys sitting down talking about your own marriage and sharing things that normally people probably wouldn't sit in front of a microphone and share and put out there. It's it's a cycle. It does the same for me because yeah. when you see other people doing it, you're like, it's okay. I'm gonna be okay. We Absolutely. can all have these conversations. Totally. I think I think that's what it is. I think that, you know, courage breeds courage and we're all, you know, but it, it helps us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I think we should do that. Nobody else listening should do the same thing. So we're the only ones who should speak about all the shit that we've gone through and nobody else should do uh, it. No one <laughs> I don't want anybody to <laughs> <laughs> when I corner the market. Yeah, exactly. I Nobody else yeah, I mean, I don't know. You guys, you guys are killing it. I mean, <laughs> there's not going to be anybody as fucked up as us. That's for sure. I don't know. Oh, what the- I think there's. Uh, I don't know. Really? Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Oh, all right. All yeah. right. Bring it. No. We should have a, what, it, what is it? it? They have like, um, what's the, uh, like, what is, what is the show called where they rap against each other? Oh yeah, sure. Let me hold on. Let me go. What is it called? It looks like you know the answer. Wait, right. No, it's on um Spike TV or whatever it is. It's LL Cool J where they do anyway. They oh, like the lip sync battle. Yeah, lip sync battle. We should have like a fucked upness battle. Like yeah, that would be fun. And forth with people, and they are like, I'm gonna one like rather than one upping with like things that are really going well in your life, I'll be like, bitch, here's what's happening to me. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. I'm here for it. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks so much for talking to us. It was Thank so great. So much for having me. This was awesome. It was like talking to two friends. And, like, I know. I did. You know, yeah, it always is. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And that's been the best part is we are meeting these incredible people and talking to these incredible people. That's really been really awesome. So, um, so thank you. And thank you. yeah, and um, I don't know. I'm excited for what you have coming well, next. Did, did and, she stay her blog? Uh, yeah. So you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. So my blog is Wine and Cheese. It's like you said, wine with an H. And then same handle for Instagram at Wine and Cheese. It's Facebook, same thing. And then the only place I couldn't get that was Twitter. They wouldn't let me do it. So it's just at Wine Cheese. It's no and, but I'm not really on there a lot. I probably should do more. Yeah, we're not on Twitter much. That happens to us too. We're marriage martini. Yeah. Why? I don't get it. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, Wine and Cheese. It's pretty much everywhere. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Have a good night. All right. bye. Bye. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.